We thank God for a vibrant next-gen ministry here at Grace and what God is doing and how he's changing lives. We also thank God for the last three weeks, a time of intentional prayer and fasting as we start this year together. It's good to fast. It's also good to finish fasting. Amen? I'm not going to ask which one you prefer, but both, let's say, are very good. During the time of fasting, we've been highlighting different opportunities because we want to pray and fast and take action. Do both. And today we're highlighting again that this is a month of protection when it comes to human trafficking and stepping up together. We have a ministry, the Gilgies, our family here at Grace, and they lead a ministry that includes restoration for the victims. And if you're interested in getting involved, maybe in thinking or praying about that, uh, in the Connecting Center, talk to Christine today, get some more information, and let's make a difference together. Uh, God is leading and guiding us in so many ways. We wanna be listening to God and then taking action as we wrap up this prayer and fasting time. We're also finishing the series, Holy Moments, when we talk and see how God intervenes in our lives. And we see it in the Bible, we see it in our own lives every single day. And one of the goals of this series is to become more aware of what God is doing in our lives, what he's saying, how he's leading us, and appreciate more God's provision and protection and his presence. Our next series, Lord willing, next weekend, we're going to look at the parables of Jesus. These stories that Jesus brings that have so much depth and give a window and teach us about the kingdom of God. We'll start that series next weekend. As we finish today, we're in Acts chapter 13. You can open up your Bibles if you brought one or find it on your phones. Acts is a book of the history of the church. And the same God that was moving then is the same God who's moving today. And we're gonna focus on how God gives you direction. Every single day, all of us need direction from God. We're all in the same situation today. We need God's direction. It's a holy moment every time God brings direction. And today we wanna open up our hearts, our minds. We wanna open up our wills, our souls to God and his direction. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your goodness that we can trust you because of your character, God, because of who you are. We worship you. And God, our worship today includes following you, living for you, and not doing it in our own strength, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, fill us with your presence today and our ears are open uh, to what you wanna communicate to us because we appreciate your guidance so much. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Do you ever pray and talk to Jesus and ask God, what's the plan? What's the plan, God? And what's the next step, God? Maybe I'm not gonna see the whole plan, but what's the next step? God, I know you've called us and to carry this calling. God, we need your wisdom. And how do you want us to proceed? What does that look like, God? These are great conversations, two-way conversations where you talk with God and also listen to God. And God is faithful. He will direct you. He will counsel you. He will guide you. There's one voice, Jesus's voice. He say, my sheep know my voice. They're not gonna listen to a stranger's voice. And listening to Jesus, that's at the heart of God's guidance. This is relational, not just principles and facts, but this is abiding with Jesus. That's the scene in Acts chapter 13. We have a community of people. It's a local church in a place called Antioch. And they are taking the posture of listening to God. And there's a community right here, right now in Auburn, and we're gathered together with the very same goal of listening to God, seeking God for his direction. 
In Acts chapter 13, starting in verse one, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius and Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. The Holy Spirit personally communicates with you and fasting heightens your hearing. Fasting, God reveals things when we fast and the Holy Spirit wants to communicate with you. In this passage, context is important. And whenever you read the Bible, study the context. Find a commentary, dive in deep. There's great unity in this context. It's a unity that's not just in one local church, but in the churches together. And this unity is there in Jerusalem. It's there in Antioch. As you look at this map, Jerusalem was first and the believers there. And then as you look north, you see Antioch. And people have traveled from Jerusalem up to Antioch. God's gospel was spreading. Lives were being changed in Antioch from there. That'll become a hub and ascending church. And when you read the Bible, you're gonna see there's lots of letters to other churches, the Thessalonians, the Ephesians, the Philippians. Those are cities, Philippi, Ephesus, Thessalonica, where God is birthing more churches and they're very united together. Spiritually, things started in Jerusalem and then spread to Antioch. But then in Jerusalem, there were tough times financially. And there was poverty. So the church in Antioch reached back and sent money. And then some of the new church plants sent money. And they were looking out for each other. Churches caring about each other. Praying for each other. Building relationships. Because they understood there's one family and together we're one body. And I'm grateful that it's a passion for us to be united with other churches. We planted churches in the sound. We care for churches. We come alongside of pastors. We wanna be active and not just us, but many, many churches. There's over a hundred churches in the sound united, praying for each other. We gather together with the other pastors in Auburn and do that monthly. We are constantly encouraging each other in Auburn. We believe it's not just about one location or one denomination. No, we're one body and we're gonna live that out together. We believe that's biblical. It's in this passage and it's in our lives today. And so we're committed to that, brothers and sisters, and the depth that we have in Christ. There was unity in this passage from one church to the next church. There's also unity within the church. Notice at Antioch from the roll call, the diversity there. We have Barnabas, who's a Jew from Cyprus. We also have Simeon, and then Lucius. Lucius is from North Africa. Menaean, He grew up with Herod. Herod was the one who beheaded John the Baptist. That's a very uh, tragic murder. And this is Menaean who knows Herod well and grew up with Herod and uh, close to him. So he's seen a lot. Then you have Saul who opposed Christians, was violent, wanted to kill Christians. Now he's a leader in the church. He grew up in a rabbi school. Uh, Then you have Barnabas, who's probably a delegate from Jerusalem up to Antioch. Are you getting a picture here that there's many different personalities, stories? There's also different ethnicities represented, different nations represented, and they are united together in Jesus through prayer and fasting and worship and seeking God. It was true in Antioch. It's true in Auburn that we are united together. I am so glad that our church is multi-generational and multicultural. I'm so glad there's people from many nations here. God's house is a house of many nations in a place of prayer. 
And I realize that that's not the easy path, but that's what we're called to do at Grace. And we celebrate that. We learn from each other. We're growing together in a very diverse church family. And if you're someone that when you come to church, you want everyone to look just like you, well, grace is not gonna be your place. You're just not gonna be happier. If you want everyone to be in the same age and stage and color of skin as you, like you're in the wrong place. If you are looking for a place where it's all about your preferences and church should be done exactly how you like it, you're probably in the wrong place. Why? Because we're a multi-generational, multi-ethnic church family and we represent a diversity here. And there's a unity here that's sacred that we celebrate and we wanna go deeper together. Not just be in the same room, but in friendships and in homes and in life groups together. We wanna be walking together. To have that unity, it takes a few things. Love, sacrifice, and understanding. That's true in, with any unity, true with any union, starting in your biological family, starting in your marriage. You know what your marriage requires to be healthy? Love, sacrifice, understanding. It takes that. You know, some people get married because they wanna be happy. And yeah, I hope your marriage brings some happiness. But for many people, happiness and being happy is the whole goal of marriage. And then they can't figure out when they're not feeling as happy as they were in the honeymoon and the happiness kind of goes down. They start to think, well, maybe I need to find someone else that's gonna make me happier because I'm not as happy as I could be and happiness is the goal of marriage. So I'm gonna go look in and try and out some other relationships to see that there's someone who makes me happier. I wanna tell you that God designed marriage and the goal of marriage is not happiness. It's not to say that happiness is unimportant or unenjoyable. No, it's a blessing. But there's gonna be seasons in marriage where you're really happy and there's gonna be seasons in marriage where you're less happy and it's not centered around your happiness. Well, then what's the goal of marriage? The goal of marriage is that God is at the center, God is glorified, and the goal of marriage is unity. It's a union. It's the two become one. Oh, that's the goal of marriage? That's totally different. Well, if that's the point of it, then I'm gonna need to make some sacrifices and be very understanding and bring some love. And honestly, I run out of that love, so I'm gonna need to rely on God. Exactly. You gotta rely on God to have a close union. You gotta rely on God for your marriage. What's true in your house and in your biological family is also true in the church. We need love, we need understanding, and we need sacrifice to guard this unity together. And I think this is a room of people who understand that, are enjoying that, and are committed to that because God has called us to be this, a multicultural, multi-generational church and to experience a deep unity together. As they worship and fast, and as you read that in the Bible, they're worshiping and fasting, notice this, and it might sound simple, but it's underutilized. When you hit a challenge in life, here's your two steps. First, go to God. Go to God first. Make that your response when life gets difficult. And then also lean in to the community of faith. Lean into a healthy spiritual community. I'm telling you, if you respond to the challenges of life with that, First, I'm gonna go to God. Second, I'm gonna lean into the relationships where there's love and truth, a healthy community, the community of faith. I'm gonna lean in during those times. Well, that's a lot different 
than just retreat, isolation, despair, complaining. It's a very different reaction. And to go to God first, to lean into the community of faith, you know what happens when you do that? There's restoration, there's healing, and there's solutions from God. God will guide you. Take that step of faith and watch what God will do. They go through some very difficult times in the book of Acts. And you know what the pattern you see? They go to God first and they lean into the community of faith. And they take this posture of listening. When you're listening to God, be teachable. Well, what does teachable mean? Teachable means more than just listening to God with your ears. Teachable means directable. Ultimately, it means, I'd say, flammable on fire for God. I like that word because if you're not teachable, you'll never be on fire for God. Some people are like, well, you know, um, how do you really get on fire for God? Well, it starts with humility and being teachable. If you don't wanna be teachable, you're not gonna be on fire for God. And if we're honest, there's a lot of people who'd say today, well, I don't wanna be on fire for God. I just don't wanna be teachable. I kind of got things how I like it. And I've been doing it that way for a while and I don't really want to change. And if I'm honest, I'm kind of stubborn and I'm not really sure if I trust God. I'm not really sure if his way is the best. So I'm going to stay stuck here with my heels dug in and I'll be teachable on a couple things, but overall I'm kind of semi-teachable if we were real honest with God. It's like, okay, well, if that's what you want, that's probably what you have. A little bit of God, a little bit of passion, just enough, not too much. You're in control. Okay, got it, got it. It's like, well, is that what we're called to do? Is that really what's best? You know, being teachable is kind of like a fast pass. When I go to Disney and I've been with a fast pass and I've been without. Without a fast pass, those rides, there's a long line and I'm in that line for hours. But with a fast pass, I just walk by, hopefully, humbly, walk by. (laughs) And I'm just like, you know, have fun waiting, but I'm going in for the ride. In the fast pass line, it's three minutes. In the non-fast pass line, it's three hours. We're both gonna experience the ride, but it's a very different timeline. When you are teachable, you grow more in three months than a lot of people grow in three years. But if you're semi-teachable, you're in the line that's not the fast pass. Oh sure, you'll probably eventually get there with some more headaches and heartaches and you'll stand there in that line in the heat of the sunshine. You'll go through all that, but I'm telling you there's another route and when you fast and pray and seek God, there's a growth that happens, a development that happens, becoming more like Jesus that happens, a blessing other people that happens locally and globally, a serving that happens where you come alive and you don't have to sit around and wait and wait and wait, be teachable and watch what the Holy Spirit will do. God communicates. We read it in this passage. The Holy Spirit communicates. The Holy Spirit communicates then. The Holy Spirit communicates today. We worship one God, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's God's great plan and gift that God dwells in you. You're not God, but God's presence, literally the Holy Spirit dwells in you when you decide to follow Jesus. And the Holy Spirit communicates to you. You see it as a pattern throughout the Bible. Acts chapter eight, Philip is wondering, what do I do next? Needs God's guidance. And God says, go over to the Ethiopian. Go over to his chariot. And he could bring pushback if Philip wanted to. He could say, well, an Ethiopian? I don't even know him. Would you say, go over to that chariot? I've got no relationship. I mean, I can't just share my faith with a stranger. I mean, this doesn't make sense, different culture. Like, I think you probably want someone else. And he could have stayed there. But no, the Holy Spirit said, go over to the Ethiopian. And he went over faithfully. The Ethiopian came to know Jesus, was baptized. The gospel spread further into Africa. Why? Because someone was listening to God. 
Peter in Acts chapter 10, listening, the Holy Spirit communicates. Three men show up. He doesn't know these men. And the Holy Spirit says, go with these three. Don't be scared. I'm in this. So these three men representing Cornelius show up and Peter says, yes, goes to Cornelius' house. Cornelius is a Gentile. Peter probably wrestled with that. God, I thought you loved Jews more than Gentiles. I mean, I haven't seen you do as much with Gentiles. Like, do you love them? Because honest God, I don't really love them sometimes. I mean, all that was probably going on. This doesn't make sense. But God, because I'm listening to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit says, go, goes to Cornelius's house. The centurion comes to know Jesus. Now the gospel's spreading. Now look what God's doing among Gentiles because someone was listening to God. You're getting a picture of how important it is to listen to the Holy Spirit. God communicates through his word. We're grateful for the Bible. This is God's word. It's eternal. It's completely trustworthy. This word, every promise will never fail. Every prophecy comes true. This is our truth source. This is God's thoughts and God's ways. It's also a love letter. We have God's word and we study it. We hear from God. Every time we open it up, God has spoken and written it down for us. We also listen to God through the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit communicates to you in your heart, in your mind, and gives you guidance, reveals things, comforts, comes alongside of you, gives you boldness, gives you spiritual power. You listen to the Holy Spirit. We listen to the Bible. We're listening to God. We listen to the Holy Spirit. We're listening to God. The Holy Spirit is God. The Bible's not God. God communicates through both. And it's so important to listen. Some people say, well, God only communicates through the word. That's all I'm gonna listen to. Well, then you're missing out on so much because God communicates through the spirit. And other people say, well, I'm not interested in the word. I just want a fresh word. I just want whatever the Holy Spirit's saying today. And then a lot of people do that and then it doesn't even line up with the word and it didn't come from the spirit. And now it's something really whacked and you started a few cults, right? So what happens? We need the word and the spirit. The two are always in alignment, like railroad tracks are always in agreement. If someone stands up and says, I heard the spirit say this, and it doesn't line up with the word, that wasn't the spirit talking to them. So the spirit and the word go together, and the Bible lays out so much for us. And then the Holy Spirit communicates on some specifics that there's no verse for. Like when I was praying and I'd met Lori, There was no Bible verse that said, date Lori and ask her out. (laughs) When I was thinking, all right, is it time to buy a ring and propose? Like, I just couldn't find the Bible verse that told me like, right now, yes. So I'm praying because there's situations every day and there's specifics that are happening and God is communicating to you. So be tuned in to the Holy Spirit. Be listening. God is faithful to guide. And just like then, just like now, God guides specific people to specific places with specific purposes. Everyone in this room, God already knows you. He will speak to you personally. You're like no one else. Your path is different from others. We all are connected, but I'm telling you, God will guide you specific ways, specific places, specific purposes. Stay tuned in to God's voice. It's so important to listen. God said then, it's Barnabas and Saul. Barnabas and Saul, your name is on it. For you, are you confident right now that the things you're invested in, your time, your money, your energy, are you confident that your name is on it? Because you know what's easy to do? Say yes to a bunch of stuff that your name's not really on it. 
God hasn't really said that's for you, but you're doing it anyways. And then the stuff that has your name on it, you're not actually doing that because you filled your life with a bunch of other stuff you've chosen. It doesn't have your name on it. And the result is you're kind of a little bit frustrated inside because you're not quite aligned with God's plan. And it's really important to listen to God so you know my name's on it, I'm going for it. And this one, it's a great thing, but I'm not, not gonna stay there, not gonna do that because my name's not on it and there's different seasons and listening to God is so important. Is your name on it? Well, there's a guy named Matt and Matt grew up in our church. Now he lives or serves up in Kent and he serves at a school there. Here's a picture of Matt and it was during the pandemic. Matt saw that there were so many people in need that so many people didn't have food in our community and Matt would continually fill his car and then other cars, and then more people came along. Matt built up a team in trucks and brought about 20 million pounds of food to people in the sound. <laughs> Praise God. And you can see there's distribution in Matt bringing churches together, bringing cities together. We've partnered several times. Now there's a We Love Kent. And it's really a movement of love and loving your neighbor and meeting needs. And you can see what God is doing in Kent. And it really started with someone. You say, well, did Matt work on a church staff? No. Had Matt been to seminary? No. Is Matt like, you know, a pastor? No. Like, is Matt a follower of Jesus? Yes. Is Matt listening to God? Yes. Does it have to always be a church official program? No. Like, God wants to empower all of you where you live, work, learn, or play. And if you're listening to God, God is gonna open up doors and give you vision. God is gonna guide you and lives are gonna be changed, just like we saw here. And maybe you're thinking, wow, you make it sound kind of simple and easy, like just listen to God, you know, it's easy. Well, I gotta tell you, uh, sometimes it's not so clear when you listen to God. Ever had a little static on the line? <laughs> Acts chapter 16, same book, the apostle Paul, he's kind of guessing wrong a lot. God, you probably want me to go to Asia next, right? Right, Asia, I'm ready, I'm ready. God says, no, your name's not on it. Okay, oh, there's Bithynia. Oh, I see the need. God, I'm going to Bithynia, I got it. You're gonna bless me, right? I'm going to Bithynia. God says, no, I'm not in that one. I'm not in that one. Well, then God, where am I supposed to go? You ever feel like that? Like, God, it seems like that door closed and you weren't in that. So like, what am I supposed to do, God? And God revealed, Paul, go to Macedonia. That's where I'm leading you, Macedonia. And again, it's that listening, teachable. God is with us. God is guiding. But there's static on the line for Paul. It just tells us for a lot of us, when we listen to God, Sometimes we're gonna be feeling like, I don't know. I just, I, I can't tell. It's always gonna be a faith step. Sometimes you take the faith step when it's crystal clear. Sometimes you take the faith step when you can't fully tell, but as best as you know, God is saying, take the next step. It's always a faith walk, listening to God. And you might think, okay, again, does God just speak in the predictable times? Does God only talk to you when things are kind of easy? Well, you'll see in the book of Acts that they are tested to the core and they are killed and beaten. There's injustice everywhere and God continues to speak. Now, sometimes I'm special, like back when I was in seminary, I thought, well, this is how God speaks. Like, uh, and, and you might kind of feel this. You open up a Bible, which is a great start. Stay in that habit. But then, you know, you, you kind of find your most comfortable chair. You, you get your best drink, if that's coffee, whatever you like. 
You put it in your calendar, it's 30 minutes. Okay, I'm gonna wake up today and now God just speak. And, and God does speak sometimes there. But you know what else God speaks? When it doesn't look anything like that. When it doesn't look anything or feel anything like that. And God speaks. And we were supposed to be here because we were visiting friends in Reno and then fly back for New Year's. We're gonna be here for New Year's. And you know what happened? The snow came and there was one day delay because of the snow and then the airlines made some mistakes and so it turned into three days and they said, I'm sorry, we own it, we blew it. But three extra days in Reno where it was hard to find a hotel and the snow had already piled up. And so from the airport, we were fortunate. We got the last room at this hotel. And we stayed in a couple different places the next three days, kind of scrambling around. And I'll tell you, uh, there were some nights where the six of us slept together in a small room. You really get to know family well when you pile six of you in a small room. You find out who snores. You find out who gets up six times to go to the bathroom. You find out who's kicking in bed. And I was sleeping that night with one of my kids. And I was thinking, all right, this will work. My kid's a little smaller than me. Well, about the middle of the night, I just feel this breathing like it's right here. And, and I'm like... What's going on? I pull up that sheet shield and it's like, nope, not breathing on me tonight. We're in that environment. You get the picture, right? You get the picture, painting the picture here. We stayed one night. The hotel was like 1970s, I'd say it felt like. They hadn't changed the decor in a good 50 years. And I don't think they did many repairs for 50 years. Like literally there was a bucket out catching water from the ceiling, you know, in the storm. So you can see, and it didn't smell any better than 50 years ago either. And, and I'll tell you, I was there, this is New Year's Eve, right? And I could hear people noisy in the hallway, kids running up in the hallway, you know, up late. And I'm sleeping on that night on the floor, dirty, nasty floor, and my back was sore. Happy New Year's, everybody. Happy New Year's. It's like, what am I doing here? And, and I went to bed and I woke up at about 2 a.m. Didn't plan to do that. Woke up at 2 a.m. and... I wasn't even thinking about this last month, but I heard the Lord and got out a pen and for the next hour just wrote down scriptures and key themes and what I sensed God was saying for this month we've just been going through with prayer and fasting. God spoke, it wasn't planned, it wasn't a pretty scene, it wasn't my study with my books open and you know, just the right temperature in the room, but it was on a nasty floor of a hotel room and God speaks. I'm trying to be realistic about when and how God will speak in your life. And the most important thing, the golden thread, is that we're tuned in and we're teachable. Because the more you listen to God, the more you want to listen to God. And wanting to listen to God is at the crux of this. The more you listen to God, the more you want to listen to God because you start to yearn for that voice. You start to realize I need that wisdom because I've called the shot so many times where it didn't go the right way and I unintentionally hurt someone. I missed this opportunity and I didn't use my gift here and I was a little selfish here. And so God, I need your guidance. I need that voice. I want that voice, Jesus, because your voice is the voice above all voices. And I got 20 people clamoring with their voices, with all their requests and all their statements and all their rants, but I don't want to get on social media and listen to a bunch more voices. Jesus, I just want your voice today. I want your voice because his voice is tied to new victories. And why does he guide us? He guides us into new victories. And look at verse three. 
So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Real worship is when you make the shifts God wants and you align with his plan. What shifts has God been bringing in your life the last three weeks? There's no more important shift than to put God first. I think that's the most powerful shift. And when you think about your priorities, and we've all got a lot of important stuff. I mean, we've got our work. We've got areas where we serve in the community. We've got, maybe you're married or kids. You've got hobbies. You've got God. And it's like, well, how does it play out? And if we're really honest, and our kids always know, some days God's third or fourth. It's like, well, God, I'm mainly, my heart is all about work today. And you know that relationship, so I'm in that. Oh yeah, God, I haven't really thought about you this week. Yeah, I guess we haven't talked. Yeah, I haven't been really listening. God, you're probably sitting like third right now. When you shift your priorities and you say, God, I wanna put you first while I'm at work, in my relationships, God will move powerfully in your life. And maybe there's one area where God really hasn't been invited to lead lately. And when you put God first, watch, watch what God will do. Well, they're, they're worshiping, which means putting God first. They're responding to God's greatness. That's worship. And in this way, as they worship, they're doing a couple things. They're praying, they're placing hands, and then they're going. Worship includes praying. It includes this placing on of hands, and it includes going. All of this is worship. We say, why would they place on hands? When you place on hands in the Bible, you're saying yes to God. God, we're committed to you. God, we're relying on you. God, all this is for you. We're asking for your blessing. We're submitted to you and we trust you. And it's a dedication. They're committing to God. Well, the people are committing, Paul and Barnabas, and notice they're fasting again. Well, fasting has been part of Paul's journey. If you look back to his conversion in Acts chapter nine, again, he was against Jesus and everything about Jesus. And then the resurrected Jesus appeared. And Paul experiencing Jesus, nothing is more powerful in our lives. Experiencing Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? And Paul's life changed. He followed the Lord. Look at Acts chapter nine, verse nine. And you see what happens for three days, Paul was blind. He did not eat or drink anything. Three days of fasting. You know what happens when we fast? There's a depth in fasting and a depth with God. And Ananias was the one who God said, go talk to Paul. Now his name changed, Saul to Paul, new creation. And Ananias was scared. Have you ever been around someone who's brand new in Jesus? And you know their past includes seeing people killed and violent. And like Ananias didn't feel safe. Like, are you sure, Lord? It took some courage to go over to Paul. But you know what God said to Ananias because he was listening? Paul is an instrument to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. He's gonna bring salvation to the world and he's gonna go through so much hardship. So go over and bless him. Go over and walk with him. And God might be calling you to come alongside of someone that's got some rough edges. And God has spoken potential into their life and he's called you to come alongside. And that's what you see the two of them together. Notice the twos, it was Ananias and Paul together. Right here, it's Barnabas and Paul together. Jesus sends them out in twos. We've got way too many Lone Rangers. We got way too many people thinking they're self-sufficient. I don't need anybody. God's just called me. No one understands it. No one's as gifted as me and I'm doing it alone. Well, the pattern in the Bible, it's twos. We need each other. So let me ask you, who's your right-hand person? Who are you doing it with? Who are you making disciples with? Who's walking with you, keeping you accountable? Who's praying with you? Who's right there? 
That's the pattern in the Bible. And so often in our Western mindset, it's all about me. But in the Bible, it's actually we together. And Joel Miller and I took a trip this week to Montana. Thanks for praying. It was a journey. And uh, we went there. I was able to give a TED Talk. Thanks for, again, your prayers. It was a stretch for me. Honestly, I think I did about two miles of pacing in the hallway of the hotel, uh, just trying to figure out. No notes, stay in one dot. I move around, I go for 40 minutes. I was like, this is not my thing. In this environment, I was able to share about Jesus. And just before I spoke, there was a man that came up to me. And he said, when are you speaking? And I said, it's in about one minute. I'll be up there speaking. And he said, oh man, like I was just going out to the parking lot smoke a joint and I wanted to see you speak. And and I said to him, I said, well, why don't you just smoke the joint in the back row? I was like, it was a joke, y'all. It was a joke. It's a joke. It was a joke. The the joke continued and he knew his tongue in cheek. And I said, yeah, you know, Ted, they look like they got some rules, but Ted's totally flexible. Just smoke the joint in the back and that way you can hear the talk. It was a joke, y'all. It was a joke. Uh, So um, he was thinking it over. And, uh, and then I got to talk to him afterwards and we got to talk about hope and connect afterwards. And he listened to the message. And I thought, here's a guy who's looking for hope and his go-to is smoking joints in the parking lot. And he heard something about the hope of God that's a very different path. And I don't know everything God did, but I'll tell you if I and Joel together went to Montana just for that one person, then the whole trip was worth it. The whole trip was worth it. And you don't know who God's gonna guide you to, but the important thing is you listen to God, find someone to go with you and take the next step of faith. God moves your heart, God moves your priorities, and then God moves your feet. God will give you the plan, God will then give you the provision, and God will give you the power to carry out that plan even in your weakness. So don't be double-minded, be directable, be teachable. Moses, deep fast, 40 days. He went up to the mountain. Who else wants to fast? Yeah, Moses, I don't think we're in on that one. Who else wants to go up the mountain and seek God? Yeah, Moses, why don't you take care of that one for us? We're gonna stay down here. Moses, in the middle of that fast, heard from God. Fasting accelerates and heightens your hearing. The 10 commandments, he brought them down to a culture full of idolatry. You might be carrying God's word, God's love, God's truth into a culture of idolatry, but don't stop. Don't be double-minded. Be faithful to the calling that God has given to you. And look what God will do. Look what he did in Acts chapter 13. Look what he's doing today. In the last 21 days, we've had stories of repentance. Repentance is turning from sin to God. Returning to God with all of our heart, growth, healing. We had a story of cancer completely and suddenly disappearing after prayer. Doctors are just stunned. They they can't explain it. Uh, Look what God does. Uh, revealing the word in new ways, changing our focus, changing our lives, baptisms. We had two young adults baptized in the first service. And you know, one grew up in a church and just went through the motions, they said. The other one almost died recently and through that wondered, what's gonna happen to me after I die? And discovered John chapter 11, Jesus is the resurrection, the life. Whoever believes in Jesus will never perish. Both were baptized last hour. You see so many breakthroughs, clarity with decisions, change in character, restoration in relationships, God moves. And in Acts chapter 14, 
Fasting continued. Fasting didn't stop in Acts chapter 13. Don't let fasting stop in January, keep going. When Acts chapter 14, they preached the gospel in that city, won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples, encouraging them to remain true in the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. And then verse 23, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church with prayer, fasting, committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. The principle is that God wants you to incorporate fasting into your work as you're serving God and also empower more people. When God is going to guide you, what does that usually look like and what's true? Notice as they're on mission, they're both leading people to Jesus and encouraging and empowering followers of Jesus. It's always a both and. Starting with Jesus and all his followers, it's always a both end. Some people are like, well, I'll love believers, but I'm not gonna care for anyone who doesn't know Jesus. Well, that's not Jesus's heart. And other people are like, well, all I care about is coming, people coming to know the Lord. Well, serve people who know Jesus too. Your calling is a both end. If you're teachable and you're listening, it will be both end because that's Jesus and you'll go for both with all your heart. That's God guiding you. There's also gonna be many hardships Well, why would God say that? There's gonna be many hardships. So you'll be realistic and not rattled. When it comes to hardships, be realistic. Don't have to be rattled. God's got it, God's got it. Paul went back to Tarsus. You heard some of the cities listed. They're all in the region of his hometown. Sometimes God will send you back to family members or people you grew up with to reach them. Go back to that area, Paul, where you grew up. And then also strengthen churches. It's God's design for eternity that we, while we're on earth, will strengthen local churches, strengthen them. I know the cool thing right now is to diss the church, step out of churches, bash churches, and say, we don't need local churches. Well, that's the whole trend in America right now, but I'll say that's not what the word says. And what you see here is churches built up. You know what God's will is? Is that we find a local church, serve, and get connected. Don't be uh, just sitting back, you know, as just a spectator. Don't be isolated, right? Don't be selfish, but instead serve and get connected in a local church. In America, there's lots of churches that are very unhealthy and there's lots of churches that are very healthy. Everywhere I live, there's many healthy churches. Uh, So there's always an option to find a healthy church. No church is perfect, so this is what you do. When you step into a church, you make it better. You lead by example, you serve, you make it better. And it's God's design for these local churches in different cities. So find a church, commit to a church, grow in a community together. It's encouraging, bringing out the best in one another. And there's also gonna be elders. In some churches, there's just a complete lack of leadership. And you're like, what are we doing and why? And where are we going? Is anyone praying? Because this just is chaos. In other churches, they give all the power to one person. And that one person carries it all. And I'm telling you, that's not the biblical pattern for a church. It's to raise up a group. They're called elders, they're servant leaders. They're humbly walking with God and they're united and they're praying together and they humbly lead a church. And that's, it's important to know these things, be discerning with churches, know what the Bible says and then find a local church and get connected. There's many around the sound. I gladly point people to other churches if it's the right fit for them. Not every church is gonna be the same. So find the right fit. But I'm telling you, there's a, God has one body, one family 
And there's many expressions of local churches. It's edification to build people up and empower people. And it's also, there's some organization and systems. And we're always trying to improve so things can go smoothly. But there's just, there's bumps along the way. We're trying to figure it out together. If you think church is all about you, you're never going to be happy at any church. You never will. So break out of that and think, okay, how can I connect and serve in the church where God's placed me? And that's why these churches are flourishing and also includes fasting. We're fasting and praying and seeking God. And it's not just to check the box like, yeah, we fasted. Or it's not just because it's tradition. They're not weird and legalistic about it. It's not just because there's physical benefits. It's because when we fast and pray and seek God's face, God directs us, God empowers us, God changes lives and he changes the culture. And this is God's grace. I encourage you as you look ahead to this year, we finished the three weeks. It might be for you to pick certain days where you fast. Maybe you fast from social media or entertainment. Maybe you pick a meal each week and you fast that same day and time, that same meal every week and it becomes part of your rhythm. Maybe you're gonna pick a, a week of fasting like later this year and pick the certain time. You're going through, there's a lot of, on the line and you know it's time to pray and fast. Continue to fast and pray. Continue to seek God and watch what God will do as you empower so many people. I wanna close with this uh, celebration. We have international partners, over 40 at our church. And this one, uh, Dan, he is training through Sun Life and empowering people around the world. And look what God's doing. In India, now over 150,000 leaders in 24 states have been trained in the last year. Awesome. In Eastern Europe, over 1,500 youth leaders were trained in 16 countries, including 200 people equipped in Ukraine, even during the midst of war happening there. In the middle of war, people are hungry for Jesus, and God is doing a great work there in the middle of the tragedy. Africa, two major training events are being planned in Ethiopia and the Congo. In Singapore, amazing results are coming in from Myanmar and Vietnam as churches are multiplying in the midst of persecution. And the goal in this region is for 100,000 churches to be launched. In the Middle East, amid more persecution, God's spirit is starting new churches. In Iceland, the most unchurched country in Western Europe, we're seeing open doors for more church planning, more disciples, more empowering. In Afghanistan, there's intense Muslim oppression there right now, 53,000 refugees, but literally thousands are trusting Christ in deciding to follow him. I want to give this invitation right now, if you're here today and you've never put your trust in Jesus, around the world, right? God is moving. And maybe you've sensed it for a while, you've thought about it, you know people who follow Jesus. This isn't religion, this is a relationship. And if you're ready today, I'm gonna to ask you to raise your hand. If you're returning to God with all your heart today, I'm gonna to ask you to raise your hand. You don't have to say or do anything. You can come talk to me after service for our prayer team, but I wanna pray for you in online as well, making that decision to follow Jesus, return to God with all your heart. You just lift up your hand right now and then I'll pray for you. That's right, just go ahead and lift up your hand. That's it, that's it, that's it. I see that, let's pray. Father God, thank you for how you're moving. Thank you that you tell us to come to you and God, there's no greater decision than to be close to you, walking with you in your family, sins forgiven for eternity, that security deep in our soul. Jesus, thank you for your death and resurrection, 
Thank you that you're faithful to save and you keep all your promises. We pray in your name, Lord. Thank you for each person making a decision. Amen.